Welcome back. Welcome to the Sippin' Saints podcast. Yep. <laughs> Brought to you by my PJs and Garrett Sandals. <laughs> Thanks, Gear. Thanks, Gear, for your sandals. I'm Josiah Ball. And I'm Drew Cochran. And we have a show for you. <laughs> it moved me, Bod. <laughs> Dude. What are we talking about today, Drew? We're talking about the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. What is the Bible? That's the book you should read. What is it? It is a book. Sounds like a roommate just got home. <laughs> so, um, it's just the thunder of the Lord. <laughs> um, the book of the Bible, the Bible. We're not going to talk about the history of the Bible. We may do that in another episode. But we're going to talk about hermeneutics. Drew, what's hermeneutics? Hermeneutics... I believe <laughs> is uh, the the spot there. <laughs> the craft of studying the Bible. Yeah, it's how to study the Bible. Yeah, but um, you know, in order to figure out how to study this thing, I do think we should define what the heck it is. Yeah. What What is the Bible, Josiah? It's the inerrant word of God, which is a semantic, but it's still. <laughs> That's a great answer. Did you go to Sunday school? I did. Once upon a time in your life? I did. Perfect. So in addition to being the inerrant word of God, the Bible is a grand library of uh, a, a lot of different kinds of different uh, texts. It was originally uh, an assemblage of oral traditions. Yep. Passed down by the ancient Israelites, and it concerns the one, the story of God's redemption of mankind and bringing heaven and earth back to a place of harmony. But two, it also is the story of the Israelite people to to whom which he sort of um, gave this mission to, right? At least to start it off, but. I think the context and the, the basis context of scripture um, and understanding that is really key to honing in and zooming in and reading it from your day to day. Yeah. And um, there's a lot even just to talk about that in that. <clears throat> there's a lot of understanding when it comes to the word of God that unlike other um mm-hmm religious books this is written by multiple authors you know some people it's god breathed right it says that it's it's god breathed and but it's written amongst multiple authors some are stories some are poetry uh, poetry uh some are laws some is a lot of discourse and then a lot of it's just like letters as well especially in the new testament yeah um Another really interesting thing about the Bible is that every book that's that has the name that's titled of it is not written by the not person. Everyone. Right. In a majority of the time, especially with the Old Testament. The Old Testament, yeah. It's a lot it's very easy for us to just look at the Bible at face value and then kind of get lost when we read a passage where God is smiting 
um, a Gentile country. It's like, why is God being so hateful right. towards these people committing, quote-unquote, genocide? Um, and there's a lot of different ways for us to approach the Bible, and we see all these different themes and different words, and we try to sort of put it all together like we're matching different circuits in a computer board to different, you know, um, inputs and outputs. And every time I've seen American people try America. to do it, it just gets wrong because they don't take the greater context into it. And if you don't understand the, the, the widest context and then zoom in from that point, then you're going to end up in that situation where you're putting the wrong parts of the machine into other parts and you're trying to find the thing to plug this thing into and then you come out with a weird theology where so, God is hateful. So when we when we were taught how good hermeneutics, there's two different ways I was taught, right? The first thing that I remember in hermeneutics class was three words that we can never forget. Do you remember those three words? Nope. Those three words were context. Yep. Second one was context. And the third one was... Context. Exactly. Context. I remember. Now you remember. I sensed the pattern there. But also, uh, I was also taught in a public speaking and preaching class when how to write a message. Context is important as well, but it kind of taught us like how to read the Bible and to put it into a message for today, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And it was like this, it was a bridge. How to bridge what was told back then to today, right? Oh, Yeah. And I so remembered that part. The bridge part, right? The bridge. Yeah. So it showed on this side of the bridge. So if we had a bridge here, the Bible is a bridge. Ooh. Right? No. The Bible is the bridge. So it would be this side and this side. Why can't we have like a bridge between the Bibles? Okay, we can do that. Bridge between the Bibles. It's Drew's arm here. So <clears throat> right here in this Bible land, uh, there was the what was happening during the time of what, what we're reading in the Bible. And so in that, we have to understand, like, who was the book written to or the letter written to? Or the cultural norms of the day. Cultural norms of the day, the type of people, like, even, like, what they ate, their laws. The like, social was, factions. Yeah, you gotta, that's what you gotta understand first. When you're reading the Bible, it's like, hey, what was happening? That's why we do character studies. We do uh, theme studies. Theme studies. We do what was the, like just the just the history because this is a lot. This is a history book in, in a lot of ways. Like what the heck's an Asherah pole? Exactly. I don't know. I like go there's there's like that. two poles in American culture, and one of them is a stripper pole, and the other one I remember because nobody cares once Fire, you say stripper pole. pole. <laughs> there you go. Boom. I think there's more. There's fishing pole. There's it wasn't in Sunday school, so I forgot. <laughs> Stripper pole is in Sunday school? You'd, you'd be surprised. <laughs> you should come to my Sunday school. <laughs> okay. Drew Sunday school. Promotion. <laughs> so anyway, we'll, so we'll that's all over series. here. On this side of the bridge is today. Like, what what's going on today? And, like, wherever you are in the country, what's going on in America? What's going on in uh, Egypt? What's going on in Brazil? Like, wherever you are and the people you're going to relate to. So... The bridge is basically the context of how you're going to relate this message to them without taking this out of context. Yeah, yep. That's what's important when you go to any, when you're teaching the Bible or preaching it or whatever you're doing. That's what's important. So, um, what can we talk about that is not a good way to read the Bible, Drew? So, here's a good, um, 
good story to focus on. And I, I just remembered this in the moment, so I don't actually have <clears throat> have it open. The verse, but it's the camel through the eye of a needle. Ooh. So there's tons of things in the New Testament. Um, what what's a common phrase is like, oh, you're taking that out of context, right? Yeah. Again, context is the biggest word. Uh, and there's a lot of things in the New Testament, especially that I believe gets taken out of context. And Drew's going to show us right here one of those things. Yeah. Gets, so without knowing history and what was going on in that time, when you read the story of well stories it's more of like when jesus is telling the people what's what parables um he talks about the rich man and he compares him to a camel that is heavy laden and he tells the rich man um that in order to that it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And when we are reading that in American English, we we immediately think of the 1930s, you know, little steel needle with the eye hole in it and um, trying to fit a camel through that, especially with a lot of stuff on said camel, if we even remember that detail. Um, is impossible. So this is a very metaphorical image that we receive. Right. And then what we get taken away from that is, oh, we have to abstain from materialism. Money. And, and you know, the rat race that is pervasive in America. Um, but with the true historical context applied, the, the phrase, eye of a needle, is actually a Hebrew nickname or perhaps not Hebrew, but it was a nickname in the time for a certain kind of um, gateway that was common in the architecture of the Middle East. And it was smaller such that it was, um, I believe it was sort of like a back door. And this is where um, I haven't verified all of these details, but the sum of it is that um, camels could in the natural realm actually uh, go through the eye of the needle but in order for that to happen they would have to take off all of the burdens that they were bearing because they were essentially you know the donkey of the time um, so what what is more accurate to what Jesus was telling the rich young ruler was for him to lay down his riches and and live um, with Jesus you know yeah. it's not to um well, another good instance of, you know, picking apart different verses and isolating them to create weird theology is dying to yourself daily, picking up your cross and following me, and taking those verses out of context to have this sort of self-mutilative yeah. um, property that, like, isn't as extreme as mm -hmm. a lot of American preachers would try to make you think. Right. I think that the biggest way we can misinterpret or take things out of context is when we read the Bible, uh, what's called verse by verse. So you open up the Bible, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm going to find my verse for the day. Boom. Joel 6, 116. Is not the food cut off before our eyes, joy and gladness from the house of our God? 
That's the verse of today, man. Like, I gotta not have food uh, that's not of God, you know? Yeah. From Joel. And it's like, that's like one of the biggest ways we can take it out of context. And then, like, people, like, <clears throat> people have literally eaten the Bible, like, shh, eaten the Bible, swallowed the Bible, because if they heard, they read that it said, take in the word, take in the word, like, yeah. eat the word. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know that's metaphorical in, 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 in the context of it. But that's the dangers of reading something verse by verse. You could take something. Or assuming that it is the face value of what you read. Um, I went to college once. <laughs> and we were reading all of these uh, ancient world texts. And we did read the Bible and some of it. The, reading the Bible is literature, which I think is immensely valuable to your faith walk as mm-hmm. well. Um, but he was talking about Dante's Inferno. Mm. And the thing about Dante's Inferno is that inside of the Italian tongue, it is one of the just highest caliber of poetry. It utilizes all of these different styles of rhyming schemes and different poetic devices in such an articulated, artistic way. And when you try to read it in the English, like so much of the meaning is lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's not – it's like – you're eating uh, the best cheeseburger on earth. Yeah, it's cheeseburger. But your your tongue can't taste it, right? It's like you could you could you could you could get the texture on your mouth and you could feel the, the hot juice or whatever, but so you wouldn't be able to. Are off? Yeah, but but your taste buds aren't there. It's like there there's no cheese, there's no beefiness, there's no crisp of the pickle, and all of that going on. That artistry is all lost even though you're getting the base elements. And I think mm. um, in the American church, that happens a lot. Like, Yeah, and not just in the American church. It happens all over. Like People will read something in like another country that doesn't even know the Bible, and that's why we have teachers and stuff Yeah, as well. You know, we, There are sources that help teach, and a lot of people will say, well, stay away from that because it's like, oh, the word, let the word, the script, sola scriptura, mm. the scriptures interpret the scriptures and they're like i'm not going to even deal with commentaries i'm not going to look at what this person is teaching because it could be false teaching it could be uh leading me astray from the actual truth in the word so i'm gonna just let the scriptures interpret the scriptures yeah and i've been pondering this recently and there's an interesting interplay between um letting the the scriptures interpret the scriptures because if you're doing that correctly you see the grand context of Mm -hmm. Both God redeeming mankind, bringing heaven and earth into one place, and then also the story of Israel. And the word Israel means prince of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, as, as you're doing all of that, um, you're able to see all of the, the grand overarching narrative and how all of these smaller stories bear depth with the larger stories, and it's just this feedback loop. But... Um, on the other hand, you definitely do need to get the correct lens through which to know that those things are the case, like you were saying. Um, and that's why I think critical thinking and all of that is, is really critical, (laughs) critical to the Christian faith, because you can't just take, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 at face value. Right. In a prophetic sense, sure, it does apply to your life, and God does want you to be abundant in spite of what 
whatever preachers may think, may tell you. Um, yeah. Preachers will say, the Lord has plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you hope in the future. But don't be the rich man, like a camel in the eye and the needle at the same time. And that's what the danger of taking out of context. It brings a lot of confusion. And that's why a lot of people think there's contradiction. Yes. Um, another example of this is God's wrath in the Bible. Mm. Um, the fullest context of God's wrath in the Old Testament is that he signed into a covenant law contract with the people of Israel, that he would be their God and they would be his people. Yeah. He would fight for them and that they would be his and only his. And because of the trappings of that covenant, if he violated those terms, he would um, not stand true to his character, which yeah. is um, you know, full of light. There is no darkness in him. There is no shadow of turning. He is not deceitful. He is the truth. Yeah. Uh, we might get somebody on here to talk about... We're definitely going to talk deeper about... understanding of wrath as well, but that is a good point that people take that out of context. And, and like, there's so many things that will completely change how you live your life on this earth when you understand um, the word in a more more uh, contextual way, I guess. Yeah. Because you can read it and then you can have an outlook of the end times that's that's completely, I don't know, like destruction, destroying God's wrath, like whatever your view of that exactly is. And so therefore you're throwing garbage out the window because you're like, oh, it's just going to crap anyways mm. rather than taking care of the planet. Earth, exactly. You know? Or you could be the other opposite way. As well, where you you can be extreme in other ways mm -hmm. as well. So Yeah. What's your favorite verse that you, maybe it's you already did I have needle, but favorite thing that's been taken out of context and you've now since learned a more contextual way of understanding it? The Torah and the Revelation of St. John. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. Yep. The whole Torah. The whole Torah. <laughs> the whole Revelation. Huh. Yep. That's a lot. That's not a verse. That's you didn't specify. I said verse. What's your favorite verse? That's been those are technically verses. Yeah, verses. Uh, yeah, that's my answer. All right. Take well, that's a very it. in depth thing. I'm more talking about like what can you explain now that you a verse that you took out of, once was either taught or took out of context that you now understand more. Um, sure. Um, we'll go to and. Forgive me, as I'm the master of paraphrasing, which sort of undermines this dialogue a little bit. Um, <laughs> but in Revelation, there is the verse where it says, you know, um, heaven and earth will pass away and there will be a new heaven and earth. It's easy for us reading it in the English yeah. without historical context to look at that verse and say, oh, God's going to come up. He's going to barrel roll through the universe. He's going to destroy all the bad stuff. Is that? Well, I mean, he is, but, but like, you know, he's going to destroy everything right. and create a whole new physical everything. Mm. But the tr full historical context of that verse is that the original Hebrew temple was referred to as the heaven, the earth, and the sea. And that these nicknames were common parlance with the Hebrews of the day. Like when they would go to give sacrifices, they would say, oh, I'm going to go 
see heaven and earth today. And he's like, oh, hey, take my goat with you. I wasn't there, so I can't, you know. They, there were definitely dad jokes in ancient Jerusalem. Right. Going to put that out there now. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> we look at that and think, okay, the, everything's going to get thrown in the lake of fire that we definitely know definitely exists because we definitely read scripture correctly. Instead of, oh, the old covenant that God made with Israel is going to become obsolete. The temple itself is going to be destroyed. And now the Holy Spirit is going to reign in the new heaven and new earth. Mm. And now the church is going to become the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is the Catholic, you know, person. Universal church. The people, not the the buildings. Yeah, right. So... We're going to talk a lot. So the reason we're doing this podcast right now, kind of like, you know, we did our one on alcohol. We did racism last, last, um, for episode two. And now we're, uh, on episode three. We want to just kind of talk about how moving forward, we're going to be breaking this stuff down that people have taken out of context and serving you up a good beefy barbecue, uh, destroying the sacred cows and stuff. Um, and this is one, really the bedrock. Of yeah, that. this is this is really where it's at. So, and that's one of them. Um, the wrath of God's another one. Like in you know, if you've seen the image of our cow, here it is again, right there. If you've seen that image, then you know what we're talking about. Yeah, that's the cow that we're slaying, the sacred cow. Another thing I'd like to talk about. Cool. I want to quickly tell my verse. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, we were going to do a thing. <clears throat> really quick. What's your verse, Josiah? My verse, <laughs> the verse that I used to take out of context. There's a lot of them. Like, you know, the whole, I didn't take out of context, by, but like the women, <clears throat> the you know, Bible is very misogynist. Like people come attack me, have attacked me in that way. Be like, look at your words against women. And you're saying God's for women, but blah, blah, blah. And it's yeah, like, no, they'll it's be saved through childbearing. Yeah. How dare you? That's, we're going to definitely talk about that in a later date as well. But the one verse that I want to talk about is um, Paul. This, this blew my mind when I read it, like actually read it for what it is. And, and that's, it's blowing my mind. But Paul says, and I can't remember it. See, like I, I need to like, my brain's hurting right now because I'm trying to remember the verse. But he says this, and si- something about like, and sinners, which I am the worst of. I am the chief of sinners. I am the chief of sinners. No, I'm the chief of sinners. Right. No, so everybody, everybody, no, <laughs> I'm the chief of sinners. No, I'm the chief of sinners. I know for a fact you're not the chief of sinners. <laughs> Let me tell you. Okay. So the context of that, Paul, people are like, Paul, you know, we're the we're sinners saved by grace, and we're always gonna be sinners mm. until we're always gonna be sinners until Christ until comes Jesus back comes and we back. go to heaven or we die and go to heaven, and in heaven we'll no longer be sinners, blah 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 blah. And if that's your theology, that's great. Your theology is not in Christ Jesus, it's in your death, and that's where your salvation lies. I would say a caveat of just keep reading the Bible and keep taking a learner's position. Right. So, anyways. Exactly. Sorry, I get uh, I get a little excited. I understand, but so what Paul's actually saying there is, I am the chief example. Like like if you don't believe what Christ can do in your life, look at me. I was the I was the biggest sinner. I was killing Jewish people. I was breaking the law. I was doing all this stuff. And look what Christ has done in my life. I believe he was using a like present past tense. Yeah. Um. And in his letters, he does that a lot. A lot. Which is why I personally, 
I hate the epistles for that reason. Right. Um, because I need to spend more time to go through all of those different contexts. And I'm probably going to try to just find a Bible where somebody else has already done the legwork of that for me. Yeah. So if you know of that, you know, leave a comment so I can find that Bible because I will buy it. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, exactly what he said. So there's, there's all that kind of stuff. So reading stuff face value can really just hurt you in the long run. Honestly, it's a tool of the devil, especially for, for y'all, you know, Baptist bros who, who really anti-devil. Yeah. Um, having that lack of filter and discernment, which is grounded not in our sort of uh, rhema word versus logos dynamic, but rather the historical context of everything. Yeah. And understanding why and where and what these texts were for, um, you're going to save yourself a lot of headaches, a lot of angst, a lot of distress. Yeah. Because the Bible is God's love letter to humanity. And it's hard to, you know, parse in a lot of words. And it's hard to just read even one chapter at times and, and you know get through it with an understanding, but, um, Jesus was for the common person. He, he didn't want this to be an erudite religion. Um, that's why he sipped with some sinners and turned them into saints. Amen, brother. Another thing I want to talk about really fast is how the Bible was compiled. Hmm. So really? Check this out. Let's do it. This is just, you know, this is just bedrock for us to build on in other episodes. We're going to talk about that, then we're going to talk about translations. And then that's the end of that episode. Go ahead. So, uh, the Old Testament, especially the Torah, was kept in oral tradition by, you know, the priests and the prophets. And likewise, the old prophets were also kept in oral traditions until the latter half of... um, Hebrew history where they went into exile mm-hmm. um, after they had been sacked by Babylon and they lost Jerusalem. They understood finally that all of this stuff needs to be written down because we need to make sure we get the story right Yep. because they had lost the pinnacle of their heart, which was Jerusalem. It was the, the prophecy all uh, culminated for them. Um, and, and what happened was, before Jerusalem fell the first time, all of the prophets were going through the city, you know, yelling, you know, uh, the end is nigh, essentially, in, in Hebrew. Um, and they, they, they went through what they wrote down and their stories that are told here. You know, um, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah. And then, after Jerusalem fell, the priests and the people... They all finally understood, oh, snap, they were right. What else did they say? We need to get this written down right. And there was many different heads of, um, you know, the, the Hebrew officials. And there's five main different sources who took from each of um, these oral traditions. They all wrote them down individually. There's like the priestly source, the prophetic source, and then there's a couple others. Um, but five in total, and they each took their 
rendition of the story and how they were told the oral tradition by their line because the prophets had their own sort of school of thought that was separate from the Levites and separate from the priests. And um, in each of their different tellings, they sort of homogenized it into one written down scroll. Hmm. And that all happened after Jerusalem fell. And that's how we get the Old Testament as we know it today. Um, and it's really beautiful. And it's really interesting, too, because the, the whole of the Hebrew canon points to the coming of the Son of Man, the, the one who will crush the serpent's head beneath his heel and will be bitten by it. Um, and to this person is tasked the culmination uh, and the, rep, the repairing of the problem that Adam and Eve made. And the only Messiah that has any sort of, you know, snuff to the claim is Jesus Christ who performed miracle after miracle was died in resurrection. One other thing. The other really cool thing about the Bible is that it is not mythology. Yeah. There's inside of everything else. Uh, the, the Israelites, they came out of, um, you know, the people of Babylon, more or less. They were all from that ancient Semite, uh, ethnic place. And, Um, There's a lot of similarities between a lot of stuff, but the whole of the Torah is all really what the Israelites remembered about what God did for them. It was never our, our God, Yahweh, is going to fight other gods and create a place for us. In Genesis, we have like one chapter of that, but in even inside of that chapter, the focus is God's relationship with Adam and Eve. Right. God's relationship with mankind and life. Yeah. Um, and it's really awesome, you guys. It's really awesome. Yeah. And when all of these texts were written down, um, and if you want to know more, just just go watch The Bible Project, man. It's so sick. You just like to promote The Bible Project right now? Also, Covenant Cards by Colin McIntyre. If you want to know anything and everything about the Bible, he's only got two sets out right now, but if you go buy his cards, they're like these flashcards with pictures on them and concepts, and it really clears a lot of stuff up and gives you more seeds. Um, Yes. But anyways, the Old Testament was written in a fashion so that it would be remembered. That's why poetry is so prevalent inside of Scripture, because it was originally a mnemonic device. So that you would sing it, and you would be in uh, school, so you would remember it, and you'd remember the story of your whole life, so you'd pass it on correctly to the next generation without any mistakes. Like, you, I can recite a song I heard when I was, like, five years old. Like, because it's so ingrained. Like, Shout the to the, the Lord, the, all the earth, let it sing. With the, the way the music is, it works with the, with the melodies and stuff. It's just like, you remember the melodies, therefore it will help you remember words. And that's what exactly Drew's saying is Jewish culture had a lot of music going on but what that creates inside of this bible is dynamic where you will it's called meditative literature and this is wholesale just from the bible project um where all of the ancient scriptures of the hebrews is written in a manner where you will speak it you'll sing it and you'll meditate on it you'll mutter it and then it will become ingrained in you and these stories that are written in here are written with that in mind. Yeah. So as you study the scripture, first you'll understand the historical context and what is actually being said. Once you understand that base value, you keep going back 
and keep going back. And it's just this treasure trove of where God meets you and he shows you new aspects of his beautiful heart towards you and towards everyone else. Yeah. Um, and this is carried on in the New Testament. But, you know, they're also Greek boys. <clears throat> Jew Greek boys. A um, couple more things. Um, I think another thing to take in, into consideration is um, when the Bible was really originally written, it wasn't broken up by titles and numbers. No. And a lot of times we separate it, and, you know, we're like, oh, John 3.16 says blah, 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 but we don't know what John 3.17 says, you know, mm-hmm. like, obviously, no, I'm just saying blah, blah, blah to move on, but yeah, it's, but it's like, we break these things up when in reality, it's like people memorize all of this. Um, they would the, sing the whole song. They sing the whole song. The, the book of any of Paul's epistles are letters were written to be read to be read. by a messenger the whole thing in one sitting in one sitting that was the everybody would gather and listen to the whole thing but we will look at like Romans and pull out Romans 12 I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercy of God to present your bodies as living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God uh, which is your spiritual worship man that's really speaking to me I need to really sacrifice myself to God today and stuff and that's it and we don't we don't know what's happening before that. We, we don't rob ourselves. That. We rob ourselves from what is actually said. If I wrote a letter to my fiance talking about a mood I had last week, saying like, "Oh, I was really ticked off. I really just I was blah blah blah," and 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 she read it and she and just, just reads the words "ticked, ticked off,", off. <laughs> and she goes, "Oh, he's mad at me. He's he he doesn't like me anymore. All this stuff, right?" She's gonna be feeling like crap, and you're gonna have hell to pay. And and I'm gonna have hell to pay. And but in reality, the rest of it's just like I was ticked off, but I, I really I really you know felt uplifted when you wrote me that text message, and I just wanted to thank you and just tell you how much I love you, blah blah. blah. And that's what happens all the time. People read. Paul's letters that weren't written to us were written to either specific people or churches. And then and have all these Greek, you know, tenses thrown in. Thrown in, yeah. And I he so people read it and be like, one verse and be like, that's that's written in stone basically, and that's what it is. When reality is like, no, you need to read Romans one one till the end of it to get yeah. all the context. Yeah. Because you'll read things where he talks about is the law. And, pe- and then you have three things after the law with Christ. Now we're free in grace. Mm. And it's amazing. So that's the problem of reading verse by verse. And in, in the Old Testament, there was even this dude that warns against it, like reading verse by verse. Like don't read these things. Like just don't take part of, of it. Don't take a little snippet of it because this the whole message is important. Yeah. So I think that's all I have. Um, when it comes to studying the Bible, let's get a cross-reference. There's things that talk about New Testament, the Old Testament, and also it's good to read a verse in one version and read it in a different version and kind of compare them and get a better picture of things. It's really great and it's really important, especially in the information age. We have so much that's readily available for us. At our fingertips. We just type it into Google. We swipe it. We speak to Google. Show me the thing. <laughs> and, uh, uh, hey Google, show me the thing. Show, you know the thing. You know. Show me. Um, one day they'll read our minds. But it's really important to find sources of teaching that does not have an agenda. Amen. Places where you can just learn about the Bible 
without any trappings of anything else. Like, we're very much in the line of Pentecostal theology with a bunch of other stuff mixed in. So that statement is kind of dubious. But we're, we have a charismatic background. We believe in the, the Holy Spirit being active today. And if uh, you, we could go to a Bible teacher who, whose whole motive is at the end of it to get somebody to speak in tongues today, and then they'll use all of their you know, scriptural teachings to point back to that one issue that's on their heart. Yeah. And it's honestly manipulative. And I would never want to recommend a teacher like that to somebody. No. Um, especially when you're just trying to learn the Bible for what it is. Right. Because it is such a dense and uh, big book. Yeah. Whenever I tell people, like... You need to have a lot of different sources. Yeah. And our, our next episode, I think we're going to talk about spiritual maturity and stuff. Um but what I tell people is, like, fall in love with Jesus. Yeah. Like Drew said earlier, everything in the Old Testament and New Testament points to the center, and that's Jesus and what he did. And everything is either a shadow of what's to come or talking about the event of His what he did for us. grand tapestry. Yeah. And just fall in love with Jesus. If, if you're new or if you may have been in church and stuff and you're just, like, don't, don't know it, you barely ever opened the Bible, that's okay. Like, you don't need to know everything. Just yeah. fall in love with Jesus. Read the Gospel of John. Get it into your heart. Get the love of Christ into you and fall in love with God. Um, and when you have questions, ask them. When you have questions, ask them. And, and don't don't turn off your, your two things. Don't turn off your mind either. Yeah. So, I mean... Jesus all, created you with a mind. Yeah. I, some people I question if they do have a mind. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. So that's all I have for today. Um, the other, the last thing I want to say is just there's so much cool stuff in the Bible. Like as a literary nerd, as a storytelling nerd, as a poetry nerd, um, the Bible has so much in it and it's so unique in what it offers, um, even just for the pursuit of, um, I would say, you know, entertainment. Yeah. Um, and these stories are so potent and they're so inspiring because throughout the Bible, you'll see all of these characters who are so screwed up and um, they'll, they won't learn the lesson and then they'll, they'll get what's theirs in a sense. But then the God character interacting with them is so profound. He, he, he cares about them. He gives them second chances and he gives them things that they don't deserve in a good way. He blesses yeah. them when they don't deserve to get blessing. Right. He lets them win sometimes when they don't deserve to win. And and learning about that God character and how this book itself, its existence is a miracle. Um, you can see how God wants to perform miracles in your life. Right. Yeah, I tell my students, like, you guys, just get into the Word. Just read something because it's actually exciting. Yeah. Like, any fantasy book you read, like, this isn't a fantasy like any fantasy book you read, like there's so much more greater things in here. There's there's armies, there's war, there's love, there's like there's, it's like a bunch of anything you like. You know, even those steamy love stories that women like. You know, the ones with like with the muscular guy with the long hair. On it top. gets pretty sensual. Read Samson. Like that's you know that's basically one of those like 
Nora Roberts books. I don't know. Is that the who does it? I, don't I know. couldn't tell you. I'm telling you though, like reading the Bible is a lot of fun. You gain stuff, but it's also like I tell people like if they were to actually make a good movie about the Old Testament, it'd probably be rated R to X. Especially judges. Especially they, judges. They take a they take a dude's daughter and they cut her up into pieces and send her across the kingdom because he made an oath out of haste. And with that... That's some Game of Thrones crap. It is Game of Thrones. It, the Bible's Game of Thrones. Man, wow. It's not Game of Thrones. But. Game of Thrones is actually English history. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually. All right. All right. All right. Well, we hope you uh, learned something. You have any questions? Um, Hit us up. There's different sources you can use to break down and study the Bible. Strong's Concordance. There's commentaries. New Bible commentaries. Right here. There's, Covenant cards. Covenant Colin cards. Colin McIntyre. I bought them. I love him. I look at him. Is he going to pay us for this? No, but he. there will be a link. Okay, there will be a link. So Also, if we got something wrong, or if you think we're wrong, type it up. We'll talk to you. And make sure you click the subscribe button, share with your friends on all social media platforms. We would love it. Um, we might do giveaways in the future. I don't know. Get people like do shout-outs for them in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what we're going to do right now? Shout out to Aiden Davies. He commented twice on our video, and he's always... That's one more than once. That's one more than once. He commented twice on our first podcast we put out on alcohol. So that was that was great. He really enjoyed it. So Aiden, I know you're hustling, but you come up back to New York, and, and you spend the night in this you, room. We're going to... Okay? Not this room, but you're going to sleep on the couch. You can cuddle with me upstairs. Okay. okay. Right. So with that said, we hope you enjoyed the barbecue. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs>